here. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Lewis and Lucas podcast. I am half of your podcast. Lucas yeah. with me as always is Lewis. How are you doing today, Lewis? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Excited about uh, our conversation today. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. We've talked a little bit about AI in the past couple episodes. So we haven't actually talked to a practitioner, someone who's actually utilizing artificial intelligence in creative spaces. So we're very excited to have Martin today, who's been using artificial intelligence to create a novel. Uh, welcome, Martin. Uh, if you don't mind giving us an introduction to people who may not be, uh, do, may not know you and what you're doing. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Um, hey, Martin. Oh, sorry, I was muted there. Um, yeah, so a couple months ago, back in May, I just decided fuck it, I'm going to write a novel. <laughs> and I've always, uh, I've always liked, uh, I've always wanted to play with this idea of like old Eastern European woman with like militaristic ambitions and like access to advanced technology. Um, <laughs> so I figured why not just play with that idea? And um, I'm not a writer by any means. Like I've done a lot of copywriting and marketing copy. And that's kind of how I actually came into the finding the software. Okay. Um, other than other than its recent ubiquity, you know, like I was looking into like software like Jasper, um, and different like alternatives to GT GPT to write marketing copy for my olive oil uh, company. Got it. Okay. So I kind of just like traced into this and figured, why not write a novel? Always kind of wanted to do that. Have some ideas. <laughs> just throw some stuff to the wall and see what sticks. So how'd you get the idea to do it the way you're doing it though? Um, so I was just I was just using the tool, uh, my okay. own work, and so okay. I just kind of like it. Kind of just like came to me one night. Like I was just like playing. Oh yeah, here you go. I was using Midjourney, which is another it's a stable diffusion model that generates images. Okay. Yeah. So I was using that, and I was playing around with like pictures of like I was like Babushka with like a rocket launcher that shoots cabbages. I was just getting <laughs> stuff out, and I was getting inspired. And that's a good point, actually. It was, um, I find that the tool is most useful for ideation. It's not necessarily something that actually can write you a novel. So like prompts, you mean? Like it would give you the ideas yeah. and kind of point you in interesting directions and then, then you have to flesh it out yourself? Yeah, like I, okay, I created like a character relationship diagram. I created 20 characters, gave them faces and names and birthdays and horoscopes and everything else. And then I like drew lines between them and I created my plot and I created my setting and all that. Um, but if I hadn't used this tool, I'd probably be like a quarter to a third way through. And the writing quality may have actually even been better if I wrote it myself, but it's done. It's done. And it's, <laughs> it's, it, it served its function. <laughs> yeah. It served its function. It's good enough. Let's see what people say about it. Right. If, yeah, it, if it's sure. total crap, then there goes my writing career. I'll throw it out, out the window and stick <laughs> well, with all of them. So people know a little more about like who who you because you're not a like you said you're not a science fiction author. Uh, you have right. uh, other endeavors. Because a little, I'm trying to read about your background. So you um, weren't you didn't grow up in Croatia, but you moved back and started That's an right. olive farm, and you. you um, yeah, you make olive oil and, and send it to people. So a lot of people expect me to have like a thick Croatian accent. 
when I go online because I, I never go online. I don't do video or audio. We can talk about that later. It's kind of like an AI thing, but um, you guys are screwed. People are going to make AI. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of my like Twitter, well, a lot of my Twitter peers, you know, like everyone's going to become an avatar in a couple of years, but yeah, um, that was, that was Bill Barr's joke on the, on the whole DNA 23 and me thing was that, you might as well just send them a clone of yourself because now they've got your DNA. So yeah, exactly. So. I heard stories of like uh, like estranged cousins being framed for murder because a distant relative uploaded their DNA. Oh, that's and crazy. Yeah, no, that's true. Family. That happens. Yeah, yeah. You, nowadays you commit murder, they will catch you if your DNA is anywhere. They'll catch you because of the twenty three and Me. They have access to right. everybody's DNA. You know, yeah. even if you never get tested, like you you're two steps away from somebody that did get tested and yeah. uh, that's good enough. <laughs> so I went on, immediately went on a tangent there. So like I, I own a, I went, grew up in Canada, uh, worked as a software engineer for so many years and then gave up on that and kind of got bored of that and then moved to Croatia after I experienced one of my family's first olive harvests. And then I figured I'm kind of moving in the direction of marketing. Why don't I create an e-commerce store and did it, did it that way. So just sold directly online. So Twitter was like our main original platform to get the word out. Met a lot of interesting people, uh, met a lot of customers. And then since then we've been branching out to like magazines. And trying to see how big we can take this. Yeah, how, how long, long have you guys been doing it? Uh, three and a half, three and a half years. Nice. Yeah. And, and you yeah. like being in Croatia versus being in Canada? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are uh, grass is not greener, but it's like better in the ways, many different ways. So, yeah, nice. Yeah, it's um, that's a pretty big change going from Croatia or going from Canada to Croatia. So yeah. So when you started doing the AI, like, what was the biggest um, surprise for you when you started doing Where's that? What oh, was sorry? that? What oh, was I just the... Yeah. What Nabil, was the... We gotta we gotta bring Nabil in as a speaker soon. Um he's uh Oh yeah. Adam is Adam yeah, and Lucas. Some interesting opinions on AI. He's a copywriter. So. Oh cool. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas. Sorry, add, add add him or... what, was, sorry what was your question or interrupt? I was I was curious like what the biggest surprise for you when you started doing this. Like did um the results that came back freak you out at all? We talked to a guy um Jeff Wright a few weeks ago and we're talking about how there's it seems there's weird creepy spiritual stuff associated and I don't know have have you had any experiences like that with AI or um, what what have your experience what's been the weirdest thing that you've experienced so far I haven't really thought of that but there are a lot of like synchronicities like I don't know it'll like it'll like just um It'll pull out like an idea that you you kind of already were thinking about, but it'll like formulate it much better. Like I'd be writing and then something would pop up that like, oh, I was actually going to write that. I just had no idea how to express it. And even though the output was like kind of shitty, I could still restructure that and come up with something like better, like right. something that could actually be considered. That was, that was one thing I noticed um, going through your tweets that it seems like you're like the... It creates the content, but the but the quality 
is mediocre at best. Um, so you, yeah. what people who might be worried about like AI overtaking fiction and like Amazon is just going to have AI churning out new novels or whatever. Like, do you think people no. should be concerned that AI is going to overtake I, that or like our whole conversation could be obsolete in six months. But that being said, <laughs> that <laughs> big caveat. That being said, it, I I've been working on this novel since um, May. It's December now, so May, yeah, like four or five months. So it's not like, like a five hundred page, thirty chapter like novel, debut science fiction novel. Like it's not like you can just press a button, took, button and then have the whole thing crank minutes. out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like I, I, you know, the first draft, I'm like, whoa, wow, I'm almost done. This is great. <laughs> but then you go, you go through editing. It's just all like garbage. I ended up replacing like 80 to 90% of it. Oh, but wow. I don't think here's, here's the thing. Yeah. Like a huge, huge proportion. The thing is I wouldn't have done this otherwise. Yeah. Like I straight up would not have done this. So I think what it does is it kind of democratizes this like access to storytelling or world building. You wouldn't really otherwise people who wouldn't otherwise ever have been involved will at least give it a shot. <clears throat> um, going to back to Lewis's point about the kind of like the weird spiritual stuff. I remember somebody pointed out if you look at AI art, uh, a lot of the humans that it creates in the art has six fingers or more. And they said, you know, yeah. back in the medieval times, that was, you know, people who had six fingers, people thought that they were demons. So it's interesting. And I and I was just looking at your most recent, um, I can't remember her name now, but she's riding on a bear or whatever. And she, I don't know if you noticed, uh, but she has like six, and I think the one hand has like seven fingers on it. I'm going to look at it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's real, man. Like, I, there were summoning demons. Yeah, I was. I'm. Uh, it's no joke. It's no joke. Do we have? Uh, I think uh, Nabil. Did you say uh, you wanted Nabil? Is he uh, on your team, or is he? I think he's. No, uh, a... he's, he's just a longtime Twitter mutual, but he's, oh, okay. he's a copywriter. Yeah. He has some opinions about uh, about this, so I'd be interested in hearing what he has to say. Yeah, oh, yeah. what do you think, Nabil? Nabil, are you there? He's on mute. Yeah. Can't hear him. Hear Are the you both. there, Nabil? Okay. Well, we'll, we'll if okay. he joins us, great. Yeah. So. Kristen, Kristen McTiernan, interesting bio. Editing and ghostwriting for novels, memoir, self-help, and instructional nonfiction. There we go, Nabil. Are you there? Can you guys hear me all there right? There we go. Now, now we can. Yeah. How's it going, Nabil? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Thank you. So, Thilo uh, uh, invited me on. Um, yeah. I'm really not a, um, a fiction writer <laughs> or anything like that. Uh, I'm a copywriter. So, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff is similar. Uh, what I understand from the way the AI tools are right now, it's, I mean, it's it's like it's like editing a really bad first draft. So it's 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 faster and easier to actually write it from scratch. But I'm pretty sure that the the tools are going to keep getting better and better. 
Yeah, I was going to say, now, like, yeah. if you Go think ahead. about, you think about, like, um, where we were 10 years ago and like none of this step one wasn't possible. So in 10 years, I mean, is it going to be, you type in a plot line and the book cranks out and it's fairly good first draft. Yeah. Four or four months ago, uh, if you looked at mid journey, the image generating AI, I mean, it looked like just like, like a pixelated smorgasbord of, Random crap, <laughs> but yeah. I can show you the same prompts between, with a four month difference, and it's it's absurd. Well, I, I want to say I saw a tweet recently where somebody asked um, this AI like not text generator to create a plot chapter of Harry Potter, but in the but in the style of Dostoevsky, and it, oh, it yeah. was. Uh, <laughs> It it was uncanny. It was like it was really bizarre. Like it was it's it seemed like you're reading you know a Russian novel, but it's but it's Harry Potter. Um, so yeah. it's like I mean, why why couldn't AI you know look at these different patterns of different authors and then you'd give it prompts to do hey in the you know Ernest Hemingway or you know whoever write something like 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 a ad for Coca Cola as if it's written by one of these famous authors, you know, why wouldn't it be able to do that in the future? Yeah, I imagine, I imagine they would. I mean, I, I experimented with, it, with that a little bit. I didn't want to use those poems in my novel because I, I mean, I don't know what the implications of that are. It, it opens up to an interesting conversation, but compensation. I mean, obviously these data sets are trained on millions of, um, millions of like lines of text from actual published authors and the internet at large. So how do you pay that out? It, do you need an AI to automate the compensation structure? Does it need to like, does it need to be like this paragraph is 95% George R. R. Martin, 5% James S. A. Corey, and 0.01% Beethoven. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so do you, Mar Martin, do you worry at all about like, I, I could see you're kind of saying, well, Hey, it's, it's a positive thing because it democratizes uh, the process, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, one of the things that you hear people concerned about with AI is um, that it's kind of got a, like maybe a matrix type result to it where we end up not producing, you know, in theory, if in five years we can press a button and get a novel, we end up not producing mm -hmm. art. We end up consuming something that comes from some weird process that is not human, even um, that yeah. doesn't have our yeah. interests in mind. Um, you think of like um, Nick Bostrom wrote the book uh, Superintelligence um, that I know was influential for guys like um, Elon Musk and and some other people concerned about the growth of AI and the and the intelligence there. Um, is that something you've thought about? Like, is if this is great for you at this level, but there's always that next step that it could get to that seems like it could be less, um, less safe, yeah. or less, less good. Is that something you've ever thought about? I guess, is there a difference between producing your own content and consuming content from other people at the end of the day? Is it all just kind of kind of merge into one thing? I mean, it looks like, I mean, even with like online content, you're looking at um, 
you're consuming based on recommendation algorithms, but that gets more, uh, that becomes more fine grained over time, right? Like you're gonna, you might have a sensor connected to your mood and then you might have like music being generated in real time based on, you know, the outcome that you want. Like, do you want to become happier? You're depressed. So now you have the stream of like custom music streamed into your brain. <laughs> the, the so, so you're saying we're, we're, we're already in the matrix. <laughs> we, I think we're just, we're already there. Yeah. We're definitely already, we're definitely already in the matrix. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, it, it's just like a coarser version of it. Right? Yeah. Um, in turn, you were talking earlier about how, what the AI is generated for the novel, you know, a like 80, 90% of it, you've had to like get rid of cause it was garbage. Like, so can you describe, uh, what, that writing that the AI generated was like and why it was such poor quality? Um, well, I'm only using my own judgment as a reader, so it just sounded weird. Um, you know, you'd have wrong sentences, people, you know, you know, she said something strongly and tersely. It's just like, you know, too many adverbs and like a right, lot of repetition right, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. But it, it still doesn't know Joshua Lysak would would scream at it. Like <laughs> I don't know if you saw him on Twitter, but he's the kind of the guy he's the guy on Twitter that basically um made uh adverbs being evil a thing. Oh, I'll have to check that out. I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, I like that though. Adver they they kind they kinda are when you read yeah. stuff. So he calls them bad he calls them bad verbs. Bad verbs, yeah. So <laughs> The AI suffers from uh, too much bad verbing, I guess. That's awesome. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah, the, the, if you think about what good writing is, like you think about like Hemingway or Kurt Vonnegut or something, some brilliant writer, um, the way that they write is so important. It's not the, the plot is like not – sometimes the plots are interesting, sometimes they're not, but it's the way that they write that makes it – a classic or not a classic. Um, so it seems like the AI, at least at this stage might, uh, might struggle with coming up with its own beautiful style. Um, so that's where I guess the human, human element is needed at least at this point. So, so, um, the, yeah, I'll oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just a quick thought. I, I've noticed that it's even slightly improved over the four months that I've been writing. Like the first, first draft was really bad. So they must have patched an update over yeah. time. So, yeah. But we won't know. It's only a matter of time. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like it will get there though. Like, and for me personally, I'm sounds like I'm way more skeptical than you, but I'm ter a little terrified of that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> go ahead, um, go ahead. Well, so we talked about the the novel part, and I know you're using the AI to generate other parts, like the art, for for instance, as well. Um, what has mm -hmm. been your experience using a the AI to generate the artwork that's going with the novel? Uh, the characters have an uncanny resemblance to how I imagine them to be is interesting um so it, it's gotten a lot better like mid i used mid journey in particular it's gotten a lot better at kind of like deciphering what it is you you think you want these all these models are based on like i don't know how it actually works but it's based on like developing context and meaning by like mapping how words um 
how close words are together in like a kind of syntactical map. Uh, they're called transformer models. I don't know anything about them, but it kind of makes sense. It's like, they're really good at it's They're getting better at like picking up context. So, so I, mean, I was surprised that I could generate a babushka riding a bear, drinking, drinking a beer and throwing Molotov cocktails. <laughs> That's it's very awesome. <laughs> in a Siberian tiger. It just, yeah. Um, so you're able to use that platform and it, it'll get like a art style and consistently stay within that style as you generate more and more artwork. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, there's like an ethics question here too, though. Cause like, yeah, one of the most popular styles is trending on ArtStation. ArtStation is a popular art submission website where like actual artists submit their, upload their artwork and build their followings and stuff. So you could say, you know, I want to write a babushka trending on art station in Un unreal engine five graphics. So like, I don't know how many license, like uh, how many licenses are you violating in that single? Prompt? Yeah. Yeah. That is really interesting. Yeah. There's so many ethical questions too, that we, that will have to get hashed out. Um, yeah. Which I think will play into this like um, blockchain AI arms race. I know a lot of people aren't talking about crypto or blockchain anymore with the recent calamities, but um, you're going to need a way to kind of trust, trustlessly verify, um, you know, the property rights. Well, did you um, do you know who uh, Malcolm Glad? You know the author uh, Malcolm Gladwell. He wrote a book, or not a book, a, a article called "Something Borrowed." You can just Google it and read it, but. Um, in that article, he's talking about songs and he talks about the fact that all these lawsuits you see, like, um, George Harrison was sued cause he stole a Motown song. And then, you know, there's just countless examples of this that, um, can't remember what the dude's name was that, um, had a big hit a couple of years ago that got, he got sued by, um, uh, Marvin Gaye's family cause the beat sounded similar and um, if you back in the 1990s, there was uh, Vanilla Ice had that track that sounded a lot like the uh, Queen song mm -hmm. um, "Under Pressure." Um, and Malcolm Gladwell makes the case that our copyright laws are stupid, mm -hmm. and that when you basically he says when you take somebody else's art. And you're not taking out of their pocket by modifying it, changing it, creating something beautiful in itself. He says you, that shouldn't be against the law. Like you basically you're you're taking you're creating something new and beautiful and you're not hurting anybody. We should encourage that as a society. We mm -hmm. shouldn't uh, take away from that as a society. So, you know, in other words, if you think rap artists do this all the time, but you t take a backing track of a particular person and you create your own thing with it. Well, you didn't hurt that person. And in many cases, you actually help that person. You think of like Eminem uh, doing, uh, what was that song he did with the Dido or whatever? Like I, that made her song way more popular as a, as an effect of doing it. Um, yeah. So in, in that article, Malcolm Gladwell makes the case that, we shouldn't have these copyright laws. The whole point is to not hurt somebody, the point behind the copyright. So if I just take your novel, republish it under my name, I'm hurting right. you because right. those are sales you could have got that I got. But if I take some elements of it, create it beautiful, maybe even give you credit for it, 
I haven't yeah. heard you at all. If anything, I might point people towards your work and people might go look you up. So I, that's my personal opinion when it comes to stuff like that. I'm like, as long as you're not like in any way hurting those artists, you know, it doesn't necessarily, uh, shouldn't, shouldn't be illegal. I understand. I, the, yeah. I understand a lot of those points. Um, um, I'm not an artist, so I can't speak for, or a writer. So I can't really speak for that. I don't have, I don't I haven't created anything that people have deliberately stolen yet. So <laughs> I don't know how that feels. Um, but well, I, I kind just, of agree. Just say, just say, no, I'm going to steal your novel and upload it. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, man. Go for it. All well, right. it's like the Stuart Coffin has this term. It's called um, the adjacent possible. So expanding the adjacent possible. It's what biospheres do or econospheres and meme spheres. They, they expand the, uh, the possibility of new things coming into existence at each step. Um, at, each, at each step of creation, you've, you've exponentially increased the number of things that can be created and so on and so forth. So in that way, you're kind of expanding the adjacent possible of like artistic the space of art, uh, artistic possibilities, right? Um, which yeah. is good. Which is good for the whole ecosystem. And uh, these you know, these transformer models aren't necessarily copying an artist's um, work. It, it, it's stylistic transfer. Like they're they're transferring a style, which is which is the same as like a. a I don't know, like an, an artist's apprentice learning how, learning impressionism from from Monet. Like that, that apprentice doesn't owe Monet royalties for every work he goes on goes on to create in the future. Right, <laughs> and, and it's almost it, like you were saying it's almost impossible to keep track of that anyway. So, like, yeah. even if you know, it's like who influences? Um, it definitely feels unfair as yeah, a human yeah. when you're up against this machine that can compute a million times faster than you can yeah. and learn a lot yeah. faster than you can. So it's like, in a way, it's like you're kind of like jealous of like smart kid that does everything better than you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you'd brought up a moment ago, maybe blockchain technology could help us in this licensing verification problem. Um, you know, we've, we've talked a bit about uh, crypto and blockchain. We're not, we're not uh, cryptocurrency fans. I'll, I'll, we'll tell you that. But I, the blockchain technology is really interesting in that it's a decentralized verification system, right? Um, yeah. I, but I guess the problem that I see is people in the blockchain community want, you know, it's a decentralized network, but they want it outside of traditional legal systems. So I think you, you can have this verification system, but until you, there's a way to enforce, you know, if somebody steals if somebody makes a mistake or whatever, and there's not a way to adjudicate this, uh, the, it's, the, it's not going to be able to help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not much of a blockchain investor myself, but I, I, I think in the future, like the block blockchain is like a, like a substrate and the AI is more like, like the organism and the AI basically we'll have to like live and like effective AIs will have to kind of live on these things, live on these blockchains, I think um, just to navigate reality because they don't know what's real or what's not real. Right. So they're, they're probably, the AIs are probably going to enforce it on us. I think it's not really a blockchain is not a disintermediary between people. It's, it's a disintermediary between people and machines. So it's, it's, that's interesting. You said the AI control it. Do you see, Maybe they, they'd force us to use it. So they would force us to use it. 
that's how I see that's how I see blockchain becoming ubiquitous. It's not through p- human adoption. It's like the AI, AI basically saying you have to use this. Otherwise, I can't interface with you. I don't know what who you are, what you're doing. Like, who are you? What's your identity? I don't have I don't know. You could be lying. Right. Yeah. So that makes sense. <laughs> if you want to be part of this economy. If you want to be part of this economy. You're going to have to participate. Kind of a mark of a mark of the beast kind of like a <laughs> system, but it's not the Antichrist. It's not the Antichrist necessarily. You're you're making my case, Martin. Thank you. You're making... <laughs> but yeah, I can see that. I can see that being like the apocalyptic scenario. Let's we we've talked a little yeah. bit about that before. Lewis, you had brought up uh, John Lennox's book about his case that the Antichrist is in ai yeah it's called 2084 and basically he makes the case that the uh the great beast from the end times will be ai why did he choose 2084 um it was uh, it was kind of play on uh 1984 George oh, okay. 1984 so it was 2084 and uh yeah but basically his his case is that um all the elements of kind of AI being able to imitate humans perfectly um, and yet be not controlled by any kind of, I mean, that, honestly, like that's one concern I have is like one of the concerns Lucas and I have talked about with, with corporations, for example, is that they're set up so that they're almost sociopathic by design where um, the organization only cares about profit, right? That's the drawback to a corporation. The right. organization only cares about profit. The individuals in the corporation might be real human beings that care about, you know, a lot of things, good, bad, you know, whatever, you know, charity, et cetera. Um, but the organizationally is sociopathic. It only cares about profit. And that's one of the things I can, I'm concerned about with AI is, you know, you think of AI like in any way being a police force or a guidance for us online. Um, there's obviously no conscience there. There's no um, concern for human well-being. There can't be a concern for human well-being. And um, you know, one of the concerns I have is like, if if this gets too much control, um, think of how oppressive it could be. I, you know, even interacting like I was trying to get a hold of, um, you know, on on our YouTube channel, I was trying to get a hold of someone from YouTube support for something. And, oh, yeah, yeah you, you can't like there's nobody you know it's, yeah. just, it's this faceless organization I gave up on and, and, facebook marketing yeah, yeah. and, and ba- basically you know you think about um think about the fact that that's bad and there's actual humans behind it how much worse would it be if it was just ai right like it right. was just just like the chat box that you get on a contact thing or whatever um I don't know. It's I I, I, my company is banned on on Facebook for marketing um, because yeah the an AI must have picked up my ad um, and so the the ad sorry it classified my ad as an alcoholic beverage because the bottle kind of looks like a bottle of wine it's like you can black (laughs) so I can't I can't post on Instagram or or Facebook uh, through paid advertising which is wildly frustrating right like and when I um, I public. Yeah, I yeah, this, this book, yeah, this book, uh, most recent book I did, which is uh, Return yeah, of the Dragon, Dragon. which yeah. is is against psychedelics. It's not pro psychedelics, but because it talks about psychedelics on the cover, oh, uh, Am- Amazon banned the cover. It banned any advertising of it, and I'm like, this 
they're and I, I I contacted yeah. them and they're like, well, it's pro drug. I'm like, it's the opposite no, of pro drug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's no, yeah, that's, so, that's really scary. That's actually like you know if these how do you scale? How do you scale? Well, it's, it ties in with the moderation, with the content moderation, on social media. Like, how do you scale it autonomously? Yeah, maybe the, maybe the solution is not to is to break it up into smaller parts. Then again, you have this like this like uh, your systems have a tendency to become all or nothing. You know, following yeah. following the Matthew principle, right? It's like either either it becomes everything or it doesn't. It fails to exist, and then a competitor becomes everything in its place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there's a book called um, Surveillance Capitalism. I don't know if you've read that book, but um, it's um, it, yeah. it basically talks about um, kind of this element of the facelessness of some of these big tech organizations. And one of the examples he gives is, you know, if you're in, say, 50 years ago, somebody misses a mortgage payment and the bank manager knows the people that took out the mortgage. They know it's an elderly couple. Um, they go over uh, he, or calls them and says, Hey, Mrs. Johnson, you know, what's going on? I noticed you missed a mortgage payment. And she says, Oh, well, we, you know, John's getting his paycheck next month. And the bank manager says, don't worry about it. We'll work it out and blah, blah, blah. Um, but when it's, these faceless organizations like you experienced on Facebook and I experienced on Amazon, um, that same experience is like, nope, your mortgage is cut off, your rate increases, you get a credit hit. You know, like there's all this crap that happens because it's, it's you have removed the human element and now it's, yeah. it's purely a, a tech element behind it that just destroys individuals and there's no understanding um, like we typically would have between you and me or whatever. Yeah this is kind of what I felt moving to Croatia and this may be just a function of moving to a smaller place. Um, but that, there's definitely elements of that. The, the housing market here is not monetized. People build their houses floor by floor. Now you'll, you'll drive through the Croatian countryside and you'll see like a house, like a mansion with two floors and like a pile of wood and concrete and um, rebar on the side of the road. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're just waiting until they have the money to pay the labor to build it. The, yeah, that's crazy. I see that in Mexico too. When I drive around Mexico, there's a lot of houses that they it, build. In a way, they'll that build lack of and they yeah. build another one. But yeah, it's like that lack of convenience in a way is like good though. No one's coming to repossess the home. Uh, they own their land. They don't pay property tax. Yeah, and they're yeah they're slowly building up their future as they as they can afford it. And there's no, that risk of like losing everything just isn't there. Yeah, it's way better. You think about it, like property taxes, like you get your house paid off and everything and it's still, yeah. you oh, lose best, your job and you still lose your house, right? The best I can get on a car loan is like, uh, well, you have to put up 50% of the value of the car up front. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> then you can, like the things like that, like Croatia is definitely not a monetized country. Like access to credit and all that kind of stuff. But it, it works, everything works fine. It, it doesn't feel like you're in a, it doesn't feel like you're like, living back in time. Interesting. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of elements to that that's better in my opinion. I mean, like I feel like the credit economy that we have um, has upsides, yeah. but a lot of downsides, a lot of the downsides we don't even it, see. But. I think it changes the nature of the entire society, people's behaviors and their morals. Just, yeah. just literally the access to credit. 
Yeah, like people buy how, how do you like they wouldn't normally buy because they have access to credit yeah like it's pretty simple like i it's not even like a very deep uh point i think it's just like yeah people are just more constrained they spend less they you know yeah you're not going on that like third or fourth vacation <laughs> spending time with your family instead yeah and it's it's probably also freeing as well you know there's a element to debt that's just complete slavery right like it's like if you if i lose my job or whatever like i'm gonna my i'll lose my house i'll lose my car i'll lose everything like if if so therefore i need to keep my head down and work even if the job sucks even if they're asking me to do evil stuff or whatever like i'm just forced to keep going because i've got all this this debt hanging over my head that will destroy my life if i don't uh, keep up with it my cousins are living well like I, i um I have two brothers, but in Canada, I didn't have a lot of cousins over, over here. I've got second and third cousins in a village with like 600 people and half of them are related to me <clears throat> and they're all, they're all living really well. Like my, one of my cousins, um, just built this like three story, like, um, like mansion on the, on, on the edge of the village that he rents to tourists. Uh, the Airbnb really picked up for people's incomes in recent years in the last like five to 10 years, but they own everything. They pay no property taxes. They don't know what to do with their extra money. And these are people that make like, like they're, they're like on the book income. It's like not more, not a whole lot more than minimum wage. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh, sounds like I'm going to move to Croatia. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's like kind of hard to get in. Like it, we're very like, uh, defensive about our space and like uh yeah yeah not xeno yeah xenophobic <laughs> sure yeah they, they just happen to, to care about things like borders and and things like that yeah borders like oh yeah, yeah. it's a huge thing um um what are do you have any um I, wait, I, I remember remember like a month or so ago, you conducted a series of polls about how people felt about AI art and people like if one of your questions was whether people, if they went to Amazon to buy a book, if they want to see like verified, created by human, like no AI help in this, in the making of this book, whatever, like what was generally like, what was your, did people care or did were people well, um, was there a lot of concern that humans were still involved in the creative process in the future? I'm actually looking up to see if I can find those polls. Okay, yeah, I actually got, I got them up here. Well, people generally like or dislike AI augmented content. And then we got like 50% dislike, 30% like, and 20% uh, show me the results. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, so... Sorry, could you keep the last part of that question? Because I, I was just looking at the polls here. Yeah, no worries. Um, and then, uh, we, you know, we we usually go for an hour, so we got plenty of time here. If other people, you know, Nabil, if you want to, because um, so like in your yeah. work as a copy editor, do you use AI or do you work with people who use AI? Like, what what are your what are your thoughts on AI in your industry? We've been using it to speed up the process of delivering our services. So we'll use, for example, a Jasper, which is a, a software that is built off of 
OpenAI's engine to come up with like the first draft of a long form article and then edit it down. So we've just been using it to speed up the process. But the thing about, you know, is AI going to replace writers and things like that? They assume that writing is just one skill when it's a number of different micro, micro skills. And so if you just take copywriting, there's several micro skills that are involved. There's research, there's, uh, you know, outlining, there's coming up with big ideas. The actual writing portion really is only maybe 10 to 15% of the work. And then after that, you've got to edit. So what the AI writing tools are doing is just making our job a little bit faster and a little bit easier. And I think um, on, the, on the fiction side of things, I think it's going to give a lot of people permission to just get started uh, or even just even if it's a nonfiction book, because I have I had this idea for a novel that I wanted to write and it's been in sitting in the back of my mind because it's like you're always dealing with that blank page syndrome. Right. And so just typing a prompt into AI and getting the first 100, 200, 300 words of your novel back is it's it's like, you know, hearing like the the gun go off when you're in a race and then you, you get some initial momentum going and then you can, you can start and then finish. That's I really like your micro skills that are incorporated into your work. I know that I've heard that term before micro skills, like a lot of people don't realize all the different things that go into what you, what you're doing. So you're saying that the AI helps you, you know, like, 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 here's what I'm thinking. Here's some prompts. And then, you know, here's a ton of text that the AI generates for you to work with. And then you can sift through that and find what you like. Yes, exactly. And it's, it's almost like, um, it's almost like me tr getting the transcript of an interview. And instead of uh, editing that transcript, I'll have the transcript beside my blank page. And then I'll basically rewrite the relevant sections in my own words. So that's that's sort of like a, analogous to what AI is doing right now. You might get 500 words of, of like lukewarm stuff, but in that lukewarm stuff, there's like, there's a few bars in there or some bangers in there. And then the bangers become what you turn into your piece. So it's like you're, you're kind of sifting through through all that stuff to try and find the gold nuggets that you're going to end up using for your work. Yes, exactly. And it's also, it's also similar to the, the process of coming up with ideas where your best ideas will usually come to you when you're doing something other than, other than writing. So it'll be like taking a nap or doing some chores or washing the dishes or taking a shower. Uh, the only thing, that, the only difference here is that you're you're entering a prompt into a browser and then getting a bunch of stuff back for potential ideas that you will then sift through uh, and pick out the idea that seems the most promising. I still prefer the the idea coming to you when you're taking a nap, though. <laughs> oh, I, I like that. Yeah. Uh, what's what's the best idea you've generated from a nap? If you want to share. Nothing actually comes to mind. I remember um, being able to write several emails. Like some, I'm, I'll be doing client work, 
and I'll have something due last minute. And then I remember one time just going into Jasper and typing in a prompt and getting back the, like the core of an idea that turned into an email. And it was something that, I, that wouldn't have come to me uh, initially in the short space of time that I had. Um, and it was something like sort of story-based um, um, that, that typically it's not the type of idea that I would go for when I'm usually coming up with ideas for copy. And so that, that probably is one example where it jumps out to me. Very cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, if anybody else wants to ask questions or speak, you can just send me a request to, to speak. Happy to give you guys a mic. Um, Martin, uh, I know you were looking at the polls. Uh, what, what is your, uh, what's your feedback on that? People, people are expecting AI to be used in content. Um, within the next five years and um, what percentage of online content creators will be using AI to augment their work in the next five years? I got more than 50%. So I think the trajectory that people are imagining is also quite steep. Um, yeah, I think, however, what, oh, right, the last, the last poll that I asked would be like, would you be more likely to consume online content? if it had a label similar to like an organic food label where it indicated that people, um, that creators were actually in fact using AI in their, in their products and like what, what percentage, um, you know, should they, should they have to indicate what percentage of the work is like augmented with AI or not, or does it just become like a tool and all this kind of fades into the background and people kind of forget, forget about it. I guess that's the question. And what was people's response to that? Uh, in the moment, yeah, more more likely. They, so they 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 want to see some kind of label, and that they would not, and they would generally dislike uh, content that's primarily, uh, I guess, influenced by AI. Yeah, I've, <laughs> the people who are like, nah, I don't care. I don't care if a human is like. I, I, I wonder what those people are actually like. They're like, I ah, just plug me into the matrix. I don't care. I just want to be, yeah. <laughs> want to be entertained. I'll, I'll tell you what, like my take on that is like, I would hope number one, that I'd be able to tell the difference and it would be incredibly oh, depressing right. to me. Like if I found out like, Oh, Kurt Vonnegut, I love that guy. And they're like, Hey, you know what? He's actually just a computer. <laughs> like it's not even real. <laughs> like I would be super depressed by that. And um, so I would hope I could tell the difference. And then number two, I definitely would want to know. Like it just it would suck really bad to get halfway through a novel and realize it was computer generated. But uh, so it looks like uh, Kristen, did you uh, you want to chime in on this? Yeah, honestly, when it comes to fiction, the future that I see is Amazon basically asking their self-published authors. It's like, hey, would you like to license your work to be a part of the AI matrix? I guess. And I foresee a lot, especially in the romance genre, because, dude, they are voracious readers and they're not super intent on quality. They're more about the tropes. They don't necessarily like an author. They're like, OK, I like Age Gap or I like, you know, Enemies to Lovers. And they're not super picky about what the actual plot includes. So I can foresee a future where Amazon would say, would you like to license, you know, this trilogy that you've written to let the AI use it? And then the AI can just go ahead and pump out this wow. trash romance. I, 
100%. I hadn't even thought yeah. of this. Like, that's a really, 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 like, so you, like, you create something and then uh, Amazon's like, hey, you want to put it in this pool? So then they, you know, they have their, their database that they're using to generate, they're, you know, they're feeding the AI to generate more stuff. And then they see, you know, they have this organic, con like what you're saying, you, there's organic content they can put into the machine, right? Is that, that's what you're saying? Right. And it's hard to make it in fiction, I, I know, firsthand. And so if they're saying, okay, well, we'll give you, you know, 10 bucks a month for every bit of, you know, of your work that we're using in the AI, that's a solid stream of income. And there's a lot of people on Amazon who are not doing it for love of the craft. They are doing it to make money. And so they will write whatever nonsensical monster erotica they need to to make that money. So, you know, it's, it, they're yeah. not worried about whether AI will produce good stuff. They're worried about that coin. Yeah, that's interesting. And I feel like that, like as you're talking about the um, level of quality that it cranks out, I think that's probably like the most likely first step is like some kind of more content filler kind of stuff, whether it's romance novels or, you know, I think of a lot of websites where it's 90% content filler. They're just trying to get clicks for advertisements or whatever. It seems like this would be a, um, at least a first use case would be at least while the quality is not good in those situations where quality doesn't matter that much. Yeah. It depends on the genre with, with sci-fi, especially hard sci-fi. I don't see it as much. Because even now, like when you have someone who's like, oh, well, I traditionally write urban fantasy, I'm going to give hard sci-fi a try. The hard sci-fi readers will know, they'll sniff you out, and they will destroy you. So your second book better be better, or you don't get to publish in that genre anymore. Right, okay. right. So it depends on the audience. I think definitely, yes. As with all things, the first industry to take advantage of technology is porn. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. oh, yeah. I, I assume Pornhub and all those guys are you trying to utilize this stuff in the background. Yeah. Um, man, this is so so interesting. So so interesting. Um, it's it's a well. Oh, here's here's my question. Like, what do people? Th I think um, as. AI becomes bigger and, you know, Amazon and all these other big corporations are using it more and more. Do you, does anybody have any hope for like the small publishing houses that, you know, they're curating, they're making, they're creating, working with writers to create organic content. Do you think there maybe is a resurgence where people are like, no, I want my stuff to be like verified human and I can't trust Amazon or other corporations to, to give it to me. Um, Will small publishing houses become more popular? It's sort of like people buying the the dumb phones, right? There's going to be like a small minority of people who want to go back to like being Luddites or whatever. And <laughs> the vast majority are just going to... I mean, the, the vast majority are NPCs, so they're just going to take whatever you give them. Like, what people say and what people do are two very different things. It's like people say they want privacy. But it, it, if you if you just take a look at their their actions online and things like that, it, it it would tell you that they don't really care about privacy. So what people say and what they do, what they actually do, are two different things. Yeah, are they? You know, they'll sign away whatever the user agreement is. They don't read it. They just click on. You know, I've done that. Um, yeah, we we sign whatever to get access, whatever the whatever the cost might be. That's a yeah. That's a good point. Well. 
I want to be hopeful for the future. I want to be optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I'm definitely not a Luddite in the sense that I, I think um, technology can be used for good. But I do think, I, I think we tend to just, we. I almost feel like everything we've done over the last 15, 20 years or whatever has taken all the dystopian novels and use them as a guidebook of like, how can we, you know, what should we do next? Oh, let's look at 1984. What should we do next? Let's look at Brave New World or what should we do next? Let's look at The Matrix or whatever. And I feel like we just are going down this path um, from a technology standpoint. And I think there's, in that book, Surveillance Capitalism, one of the things they talk about is that Google intentionally used the word inevitable for everything they did. And they did it as a way of like knocking down any resistance to the surveillance they were doing, et cetera. And I feel like we all are doing that, you know, in this conversation and in just as a society, as Western civilization of, hey, it's inevitable. This is the next step. This is what's going to happen. Um, and I always feel like there's in in every dystopian movie or every movie, you know, disaster movie or whatever, there's this scientist that's like warning and then there's these people are like, well, we're just going to do it anyway. And I feel like um, there, there should be a moment when we as humans step back and we say, do we want to go down this road? Like, is this, is this a good next step for humans? And I'm not sure it is. I don't know what benefits, you know, when it comes to like overall happiness of humanity, I, I don't know if this helps us or not. Um, maybe you think it does. I don't know if, uh, Martin, what your thoughts are, or Nadim mm -hmm. or Kristen, or, um, but is if take away whether it will happen or not, if you were king of the world or whatever, and you could make that decision, should it happen, would you go forward with it? Or would I you probably, not? I probably wouldn't let it happen. I mean, they already have the tension economy already has 12 hours a day of our mind share. Um, and so they're going for 24, right? I just don't see it being um, anywhere in between that. If they're going to go in this direction, they're going to go all the way. And you're going to have this like personal matrix that generates whatever you want for you on demand at all times to optimize your whatever psychological state you want to optimize. We kind of become these like mice pressing our own levers. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't I don't think it's actually a good thing. Then again, I'm writing a book with it, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the funny thing is like I I speak against tech a lot, but obviously I'm online, I'm on Twitter, I'm doing podcast like I'm I'm active with technology even though um I think there's a bunch of risks to it. So and I think we're all guilty of that to some degree. Um like you were saying with the surveillance thing. It's a continuum, right? It's it's convenience versus control. And in some things, you might want absolute control, while other things, you're completely okay with going for maximum convenience. It's just choices and trade-offs at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Alberto put, re replied here, as I, as I listen to the space, I use chat GPT to explain to me how GPT works. Pretty meta experience. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, so what are some uh, final thoughts from people? What are, you know, Martin, like you're, you don't, um, you aren't looking forward to maybe AI becoming more and more ubiquitous with the creative process, but it seems a little bit inevitable. 
Um, where do you think, but I, I guess the other point I wanted to make too is I remember 10 years ago, we thought that AI or um, self-driving cars was going to happen like the next year. And here we are 10 years later, um, that's, we're still struggling to figure that out. Do you, do you think this is happening pretty fast or do you think we're, it's going to, you know, what, where are we going to be at in the next five, 10 years? Do you think? I think it's a series of mini exponentials. So I think the, the growth function is actually more stepwise. So we might already be plateauing with GPT. It might, it, I, I don't know enough about the technology, but I get the sense that we might hit this plateau. We might take another five years to get the next breakthrough that takes us to the next, next, uh, next step on the kind of exponential curve. I, I don't know. We'll have to see though. I mean, six months ago, this was a pretty much useless tool. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Like I tried right when it came out, um, both the image and text generation stuff. So we're just going to have to kind of wait and see there. Yeah. Um, what are some, everybody else, uh, you know, what, what, what do you guys think? There's also the, uh, the issue of narratives, right? So last year, it's the same people who were, who were uh, basically pumping the idea of Web3 and NFTs who are, who are gushing about AI this year. And so how much, of it is, how much of it is reality and how much of it is a narrative that is being promoted? Um, yes, the AI has gotten a lot better, but you can still tell the difference. If you have any, um, if you have any sort of taste for, for real writing, you can tell what is, what is AI and what isn't. And I think Martin is probably right. There's probably going to be a plateau where it's going to reach a certain local maximum. And then years down the line, we can't say when, that's when we're going to see another breakthrough. Gotcha. Thank you. Uh, uh, Kristen, what are any final thoughts from you about the AI in our future? I foresee it being present, especially in nonfiction, which is, you know, just, you know, everybody wants that big book, but they don't have a lot of big ideas. And so there's always a lot of filler by definition in nonfiction books up to and including memoirs. But as far as fiction, I'd say it's going to be really genre dependent and it's probably also going to be very reader dependent. So for those readers who just like the quick content-esque type of reading experience, sure, I definitely see a future. But if you're still like a genuine literature person, if you want to sit down with a book and read it, I I don't foresee them saying, sure, I'd, I'd like something that a machine created to inform my worldview. I just don't see it. Yeah, totally. And but at the same time, when we were talking about like, you know, we, we, Nabil made a really good point about, we, we say we care about those things. We we care about privacy, but then we sign up for Google with Gmail and, and YouTube. And so, which we, we know in the back of our minds, they're not protecting our privacy. So maybe people, you know, we're like, well, yeah, I don't want to read AI generated stuff, but they're not going to take any serious efforts to filter out that stuff from their, I don't, you know, I don't know. That'd be Hope, uh, hope anyway. Um, oh, Albert. Yeah. I mean, people will say, oh, I stand against AI because they want everyone, you know, to give them those morality points. But if mm. it's good enough and if it hits that dopamine button, they're absolutely going to consume it. Yeah. But the question is, will it hit the dopamine button? You know, so if you're picking up, you know, mech hard sci-fi 
and it just is bland and it's not what you were looking for, it's not going to fill that need of what you picked up the book for. Yeah. And so are you going to scout things that don't hit the mark? Yeah, definitely. Um, I see Alberto and survivalist un uncle dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you guys want to unmute yourselves and uh, yeah, Alberto, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Awesome. Um, I appreciate uh, the opportunity guys. So here's the thing that, that I've been thinking about this stuff. When people say AI content is bland, it's all about the data sets that these people are using to train these models on. So the vast majority of content in the world is bland, is generic, right? The, the books that we love to read are the outliers, if you will, right? And yes, they're being used uh, in, those, in those models, but not to the extent of your usual corporate messaging, whatnot, that permeates the entire internet, right? So, so that's one of the reasons. It's, it's again, the, the same uh, curve, you know, like, like the meme, right? The, the bell curve and, and whatnot, right? What you're seeing is basically the output of a predictive model trained on a data set of bland generic text. And even more so, because I'm, I'm, I'm coming from, from this with, uh, I, I also used uh, OpenAI when it first launched with DaVinci 01, right? Um, and that thing, like, like Nabil said, it, it, uh, sorry, Mar Martin said, it was unusable, right? The, the, the predictions that the model would, would um, put out there were truly unusable, right? But now when, when you see something like ChatGPT, which for all intents and purposes is something like, um, what is it, DaVinci 3.5, right? And, and they're gearing up to launch uh, their fourth iteration. It has become better at predicting what the next uh, what the next set of words is, right? But the predictions themselves are based on data that is bland and generic. Thus, the model has uh, no under. Remember, the, this thing has no understanding about what it is putting what it's putting out there, right? So it's being trained on data that's bland and generic. So Inevitably, it's going to get better and better at putting out there outputs that are bland and generic. Does that does that make sense? It does, and I yeah, and that makes and sense. I think that's like Kristen's point earlier about you know people like Amazon or like you know getting giving license getting licenses from people who are generating organic content, and then you know now they're getting stuff that's being created by humans and feeding that into the machine so that it can create stuff that sounds more organic, I think is a really, really good point. And that might be uh, how they get around that problem that you're mentioning, Alberto. Um, so survival Uncle, got your hand up. Go, go ahead. Hey, yeah. Thanks, man. Hey, uh, first of all, I wanted to say uh, Martin uh, and his olive oil company. Um, yeah. Uh, really good stuff and uh thanks for doing it <laughs> no problem anytime yeah i don't plan on quitting so you're, you're quitting no i said i don't plan on quitting anytime oh soon. okay good good yeah uh, my mother would not let me 
hundred percent. Okay. Well, yeah. So on the AI thing, um, I believe that, uh, you know, original content is going to be, you know, it's still going to be a huge deal. And, uh, a lot of what I've seen from AI, it's, uh, it's a lot of the same that you've seen from, from search engines. It's basically just the search engine sort of, uh, um, I can't pronounce this now, you know, it's a, now, uh, a combination of, of all the stuff you see from search engines. And it's, it's really, it's really very ersatz, uh, you know, like a very makeshift sort of thing. And it, it, it doesn't, it's, it's not really, uh, a full product. And, uh, I, I don't think that it's, going to replace like you know people who can can really you know write write and create and uh in the in the science fiction since this is the name of the space science fiction yep. or just any sort of thing yeah it's, it's yeah I, I hope not <laughs> like yeah. i said i like it it the whole thing kind of creeps me out, but certainly the idea of like reading a novel and, and getting midway through and realizing you're basically hearing the thoughts of a robot, uh, never sounds good to me. So, um, yeah, I, I hope you're right. I hope we never can, we can always tell the difference and well, know, that, yeah, man, it won't but, be replaced. hundred percent. But I mean, I, 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 it's kind of interesting. Something I've observed about the internet in general and search engines. It's like, We've we've thought that the internet would would open up all these worlds and everything, but it's actually kind of converged everything. And you just Google everything. Like uh, I'll use Martin since Martin's here with this olive oil. If you Google olive oil, you know there's a <laughs> you know just 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 something about you know uh, something there about olive oil that, you know, everyone converges towards these ideas and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, we like humans. We, we say we like this decentralization, all these, but then our actions, we, we all converge on these central, we go to Google. We don't use ask. I don't know if anybody remembers ask Jeeves from, uh, back, back in the two thousands, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, uh, I think it's, I think it's, I, so, I mean, I think the, exactly. So the coverse of that is that, uh, you know, if you can get away from that, you know, and, uh, and really, really present some sort of idea that's, uh, that's new, it's, it's going to be good. Yeah. Anyways. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Thank you. Good stuff. Um, uh, thanks. Alberto's got his hand. I know we're coming up on time here. Thank you, Martin, for your time and everybody else. But yeah, Alberto, if you want to give us some last words, and then we'll go to Martin before we close out. Love it. Love it. So um, one last thing that I wanted to add. Um, I mean, you guys already hit on the on the copyright issues and, and all of that stuff. But the, the, other, the, the other extremely relevant issue specifically to what you guys are talking about, sci-fi novels and all of that stuff, is the fact that these people are adding way too many filters on these things, right? Um, so 
yesterday, for example, as a, as a great example, I, I saw this tweet um, about someone asking for a poem on Alex Jones, right? And I, I, I went into it because I, I couldn't believe that they would actually filter that out and, and the system would generate um, this dialogue where it would tell me, like literally, we can't, I can't do that because I'm not going to promote or praise a figure known for spreading misinformation and misinformation is this, this, and that, right? Blah, 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 right? So the system- That's wild. That's crazy. Dude, that was, it's insane how many filters they're adding into these things, right? So they're they're baking in their own biases into these things. So if you're looking to generate um, or or help you generate um, sci-fi, for example, well, sci-fi is all about um, that which we don't know, right? And, And provocative- um, things that probably nobody else would write, right? Uh, or, or even film, right? Uh, so, so my point is, you want to use this thing, right? Um, not, not only uh, out of the bland and generic stuff. Okay, let's remove the fact that it's bland and generic right now. It's the fact that the system itself, they're baking their own biases in, right? So if you want to have a novel, a sci-fi novel, for example, that explores the problems of our current trajectory with something like, uh, I don't know, uh, transgender transgenderism or, or whatnot, right? You can't really use a tool because the tool is not going to let you. Yeah, which is like, I mean, that's the ultimate fear behind the Matrix, right? Because the Matrix, if we're all living in the Matrix, there's a funny bit by, um, I, Lucas and I have talked about it in the past, but um, by the comedian Ryan Long and uh, his... Uh, co-host on his podcast where they're living in the matrix and they every once in a while they have to stop and say how much they love mark zuckerberg because if they don't they'll get banned from the matrix or whatever (laughs) and there is this element of like control that once we live in the matrix once we someone else is setting up the rules on what you can say and what you can't say there is that fear of like a level of control that goes beyond the wildest imagination where they literally can control what you say and what you don't say and what you consume and what you don't consume. And it's, it's, um, it's a terrifying next level of, of government control um, that could be behind everything or even worse than government is faceless sociopathic corporations controlling mm-hmm. everything, you know, that you mean, you mean the, like the, the Twitter files? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that you see what happens even in that that um, the Twitter files. But you know, think about that. But with no transparency, never seeing that. No, you know, and even worse, instead of it being some bureaucrat within Twitter, some AI system within Twitter setting up those things. Uh, you know, it, it could the the harm that you could get from that seems seems wild. But. Me- uh, let me just wrap things up on my end of things uh, with a little bit of a sliver of hope for you guys, right? The thing about these models is that, um, yes, there, there are many many of these, what they call optimization algorithms, which is the actual thing that is training um, on that data set. Uh, many of those are, are closed source, right? They're, they're not going to show you that. But the fact that this field is advanced, advancing at such a, a rapid pace means that you will see good good enough, if you will, um, optimization algorithms that allows you to train on your own data set. Right? And, and I'm not talking fine-tuning, as they call it right now on, on OpenAI. What I mean is the 
training of the transformer model itself, right? So I see a future where you can grab a data set or build your own data set of the best sci-fi novels out there, right? And then create a specific transformer meant to generate sci-fi novels. And if, if this process becomes ubiquitous, right, and, and people can do it economically, right, um, you will find yourself having a, an awesome tool. But right now you're seeing generic and, and all of that stuff, mainly because they need to throw this out there for as, as much people as they can. And so you're not seeing the specific models that will definitely become ubiquitous um, in the future. So with that, I'll, I'll leave you guys to it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thank you. That's uh, good. Info. Yeah, thanks for but, uh, that. Really good. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, Martin, let's bring it back to you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And, and, you know, this has been such an interesting AI conversation and started because we, you know, I found your you're using AI to generate this sci-fi novel. Thank you for, for talking about that. What, what are some of your final thoughts before we wrap this up? Well, I was just going to add to what Rogue said. Um, if these tools become good and ubiquitous, I think the matrix is going to be a lot more isolating than it is going to be controlling. I think we're going to move, move inward and create our own personal matrices. Right? So you're going to be oh, able wow. to... Um, Curate your reality in the same way that you curate your social media. So I don't think it's really um, an issue with obsoleting artists and content creators and producers. It's more um, an issue of basically people learning that um, learning that they might have a better time living in their own kind of isolated existence. <laughs> hey, hey Mar Martin, what you just said is um, crazy to me because... I don't know if you've ever read The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, um, but no, it's, a, it's, a, it's a metaphor for heaven and hell, basically. And his picture of hell is being able to create your own world as much <laughs> as you want, that you, get, you, you end up having complete isolation because you create your own per level right. of perfection. So like in The Great Divorce, people grow further and further away from each other and live in more opulent and beautiful mansions and have beautiful oh. everything beautiful around them because they're able to just create it themselves so that that's right, his right. Pic picture of hell so what you said is super interesting because it's like c.s lewis's picture of hell so i know i'm i'm mr no, negative i'm mr negative I'm all to say hi. but that was it was crazy that the way you worded that because it was so similar to what c.s lewis said Synchronicity. I'll have to read that then because that sounds very interesting. Yeah, I think hell is personal. And I think even you know, Jordan Peterson talks about this too. Right? Like he talks about how hell is something you create for yourself. Uh, yeah. The matrix is going to be you know, hell that you create for yourself, essentially. So we have yeah. to be careful. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. And, and I know we're wrapping up this, you guys are wrapping up the space here, but, uh, but um, what I anticipate is that. Uh, AI will become more prevalent and then there will be some kind of breakthrough where someone makes some sort of something very original and it just kind of blows AI out of the water, you know? Um, so if, 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 if AI is, does, does take over art and uh, writing there, there's going to be a point where someone comes up with something so original that, uh, that it just, 
just kind of like uh kind of uh you know uh beats the ai exactly yeah that's that's gonna happen it's gonna happen and and I i think it's inevitable um yeah, it's an optimistic final note. Yeah. But, uh, Martin, uh, do you have... Uh... 